um, always a good day in the church because typically if you ask a mom, what does mom want for Mother's Day, it's a very common answer. They'll say, well, I want the family together in church. I want the family together. It's a very common thing, and, um, and, it, and it just brings a vibrancy to our gathering. So um, I love Mother's Day. Well, you know me, I like to start out with a proverb, and today, of course, they're always good ones, but today's a real ringer. Um, <laughs> there's a whole passage in the book of Proverbs, and at, at, at times, it's like the author is named Wisdom. It's like a, a, a poem is written, you know, author by Wisdom. So the, the, today's proverb, that's the context, so you can understand that. So Proverbs 8.35 is, For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. You want favor from God? Find wisdom. You want favor from God? Find wisdom. You know, I I think I'm quite certain that um, as growing up that I was that I learned um, this phrase, and I'll bet you learned it too. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. It's pretty stupid, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I mean, when you um, when you're raising little kids, they're so sensitive to the things that are said about them that, you know, we almost have to say to our children, well, you know, sticks and stones will break your bones, but they just say words. You can just, you know, ignore them because they will never hurt you. The truth is, that's not true. I mean, I don't think we intend to lead our children astray. We, we want to minimize, um, we, we want to help them learn, okay, hurt, big hurts over big things and small hurts over small things. And uh, pretty soon you realize that a skin and knee, which, you know, as a child, you're going to go through lots of them, they heal up. Bruises, things that happen to you with sticks and stones, they actually, for the most part, will heal up in a relatively short period of time. But that's not so true about words. Sometimes words get in there and they'll bruise our soul and put us in a place that doesn't heal sometimes for days, weeks, months, years, decades, sometimes a whole lifetime. You probably can think of things the behaviors that you see in people that you know and love, maybe some that you've known for a long time, and you'd like to figure out what it was that switched that on, you know, what it was that bruised their soul so that causes this kind of continuing challenge. On the other hand, words can really heal us too. They can really build us up. They can do the opposite of bruising us. They can, they can really transform us. They can harm us or they can help us. Words are powerful. Everybody say that. Words are powerful. Come on. Words are powerful. <laughs> okay. Okay, we're going to dip into Proverbs a few more times today as we move along. And just for the fun of it, you know, when I study and prepare, um, I have all these software programs that help me, and sometimes I'll get a scripture up, and I'll see it in seven or eight or ten or fifteen different translations, English translations at once. It's a pretty cool thing to do. And it'll help you sometimes to see something from an angle that you weren't really looking at it. So when you see a couple of times today, you're going to see scriptures in two verses. So today, um, let's take a look at Proverbs 18, 21. Words are powerful. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. That's from the New King James. The message says this, same, same passage. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. The tongue has the power of life and death. They can be life-giving words, or they can be toxic. You know, and when the Lord created the world, he spoke it into existence, he, and, and it was. Words are creative. They literally create things, and they can destroy things. They can heal, they can hurt, 
They could be life-giving or they could be life-taking. We've been in a series on the topic of things that are toxic. We talked about toxic relationships, toxic thoughts. Last week, toxic religion. Today, I want to talk to you about toxic words. And so let's review what our definition of toxic is. It's anything containing poisonous material capable of causing sickness or even death. So Lord, as we spend some few minutes in your word today, I pray, God, that uh, this will be just a, a time where you speak to people because you love them, God. So, Lord, we, we just pray and believe that beyond the, the, the weakness of this vessel for delivery will be something of the power of the Holy Spirit that will get into hearts and unlock bruises and build and bring life. We thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. If there's anything today causing sickness of the soul in our world, it's toxic words. You know, words can be like a weapon. Um, I did something that was really foolish when I was in junior high school. We had everybody, all, the, all of us had these big pens. You know, it was just a long pen about that long. And if you pulled the, the writing end out of it, you had a perfect blowgun dart for darts. No, and I'm past the um, age range of spitwads. You know, we had moved on to taking a straight pin and a little bit of tape on the end. <laughs> yes, believe that about me, it's true. Now, we were very careful. They always had to go below the belt. So, so um, shooting someone in math class on the other side of the room and putting a pin into their thigh was an accomplishment. <laughs> no, I think I'm still proud of that. <laughs> But you know the kinds of things um, that we do as teenagers and as kids that we escape the true risks that are involved. You know, it's like that Christmas movie about BB guns. You know, you'll shoot your eye out. I think about those little darts and the trouble that that could have been. Words could be like that. They can come sailing through the air and go and stick right into some place. And then the poison just goes right in and it gets into the system and it goes all throughout the systems of the body Words can get in there, and they can become so destructive, so hurtful, like a poisonous dart. Proverbs twelve eighteen uses the word reckless. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Words can be healing, or they can be reckless. They can pierce like a sword. It's one thing to be accidentally nicked by somebody who's playing with a sword, and they accidentally nick you, didn't mean to, and it's a whole different degree of, of intensity when they've been intentional about where they're parrying and where they're thrusting. Proverbs 15.4 says, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. The, today's English version says the same thing. It says, Kings, or Kind words bring life, but cruel words crush your spirit. There are two kinds of tongues, healing tongues and toxic tongues. The chances are that if you look backward in your life, you can think about different times you heard different words. Some of them were crushing to your soul. You know, something toxic. Now, they could have been really casual words like, did you mean to do that to your hair? Or, <laughs> or, <laughs> or they could be like, you know, why aren't you married now? I would have thought by now you'd be married. Or, um, you know, they weren't intending, they're not intended to be stuck in and twisted, you know, like a dagger, but they can come across that way. They're, they're, they can be casual, toxic words. And then there are words that are much more pointed, um, like, 
you know, I found somebody else, or I never really loved you, or goodbye, or why can't you be more like your brother, or I'm leaving you, or you're pathetic, or you're nothing to me. I mean, maybe you can look back and you can't help but see some of those words. And the words went in and they were like poison and it just spread through your soul. And you can think, because most, most of you at some point have heard something or even said something that you know went in and it did something of crushing a spirit. On the other hand, there are really some life-giving words that really encourage and create things like, you know, I believe in you. I would marry you all over again. <laughs> You're my dream wife. Or I can't tell you how much you've been answered to prayer. Or I can't believe how good you, how, how well you handled that. Or I am so much at peace when I'm around you. Or you make me feel wanted. The kinds of words that when they go in, they bring life and energy and love. And they plant something deep. So words can give life or they can take life. They can be healing or they can be toxic. Today we're going to talk about the words in a couple of ways. Uh, We're going to talk about words we hear and we're going to talk about words that we speak. So let's start first with words that we hear. About words we hear, we we must guard our hearts against toxic words that others may say about us. Because the reason, here's the real reason. You can't control what other people say to or about you, but you can control what you believe. We can control what we meditate on and what we allow into our hearts. Solomon, um, who was a really, really wise guy, the, the Bible says he was the wisest ever, um, was um, writing an awful lot of Proverbs is Solomon's wisdom that he was writing for his son, for his sons. And so, so here's the context. He's putting together some instructions for wisdom, passing it on to his son. That's what he thought he was doing. He was being used by the Holy Spirit to shape all of us as the Lord was writing Holy Scripture. And so there are many, many thoughts and concepts about wisdom that will be in there, but here's a good one in, in Proverbs 4, verses 20 and 23. Here he says, he starts out by saying, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. In other words, Lean in and listen to what I'm going to tell you now. Verse 23, above all else, okay, that's his way of saying this is the most important thing. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of wellspring. I think of, you know, I think of a nice little place up on a hillside or a mountainside, and out of the ground comes water, and that water, as it comes down, it provides nourishment and life to a lot of stuff, and it gets greener and more lush as it goes, as it gathers. Um, Okay, that's an acceptable idea about wellspring, but if you study the word, this word literally is issue, not in subjects or topics, but as in something that issues forth. Okay, so, um, but it's not just issue in itself. There's also, in, in the word, the root word, there is also the concept of boundaries. So, I'm going to help you understand what the, what's really being said here. Guard your heart, for it is the place where things issue forth and where your heart will establish its boundaries. You have to guard your heart because it's the gatekeeper. It's the place from which your own vision erupts. It's the place from which your hopes 
will erupt. It's the place from which you take that vision and that hope, and it allows you to step into things you never thought were possible. It allows you to become things you never thought were possible. Guard it, because it can also set a boundary. If you believe the things that have been said about you, you will set small boundaries. And God never wants that for any one of us. Solomon, it's interesting to notice, does not say to his sons, you know, hey, buck up and get tough. Sticks and stones. Or, you know, he doesn't say that. He says, guard your heart. I'll give you an example. In my late 20s, um, before I was in ministry, I was working in the business world. I've told you a little bit about this, but I, I was in a place where the Lord just really put his hand of blessing on me, and it was very, I was, it was very successful. Lucrative financially. Uh, my, my future was laid out in front of me. It was very, very good. But I had this draw, this compelling need to get out of doing that and to get involved doing full-time ministry. So I left, and I didn't, I didn't burn my bridges, but I definitely grounded them. You know, there's, um, you know, Cortez. People say Cortez burned his ships. He grounded his ships, and there were reasons for that. Um, primarily, there was lots of reasons, but primarily it was to help motivate his his men to make their present and future circumstances succeed. Because if they had a if they had a way out, that would be too easy when things got tough. So. I really didn't burn bridges. I maintained relationships, but I really shut down the opportunity to go back where I was because I really wanted to head off into ministry. So that sets the stage for, for, for what I chose. This is personal. It's my choice, but I was committed. Threw myself headlong into it. Transforward. Now, here's the story I wanted to tell. I'd been in a pastoral ministry for maybe a couple of years, and um, there was a guy in our city who was pastoring an independent church, and sometimes churches get into squabbles. <laughs> and um, in this particular squabble, it was about him and towards him. And his church was, was just, it just, it was breaking his heart. He had to resign his place there. There was just not going to be any peace. And uh, so he, we got to know him. And um, my role at this other church was I, I could hire people. So I hired him. And um, basically wanted to kind of tuck him into our team for a while and just kind of patch him up and help encourage him and build him back up and shove him back out into ministry life if that's what the Lord was going to do. And he was with us for a time. And at one, I can remember one day, I can still hear these words in my soul, although I've learned to deal with them. But I hear these words in my soul because we had a disagreement. And he very correct, quietly and directly looked me in the eye and he said, you don't have a pastor's heart. <laughs> and um, I do, by the way. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> but I was young, younger, and uh, I was learning to pastor. I was immature in my leadership style. By the way, immaturity is not a sin. When you mis- make mistakes in maturity and you hurt people around you, you need to make it right. But it's not a sin to be immature. You can't help it. Everybody is immature. Every one of us. I follow some very, very godly people who, um, who, who are account- I'm accountable with my life to them, I feel, in some degrees. And they have immaturities. It's not sin. Anyway, so I had these issues. And my immaturities were frustrating to him at point and so forth. And so he made the statement... I'm trying to be big-hearted about it, and I'm trying to be wise, and I'm trying to be teachable, the right kinds of things, but I felt like if I just rejected his comments offhand that that would be arrogance on my part. So I took it in. I took it in. And I believed 
for a very long time measured in years that I could never really be a pastor because I didn't have a pastor's heart. He said those things to me. Now, the fact that he said them to me, that's his responsibility. The fact that I took them in, that's on me. And it was, it was a number of years before I realized that those were just toxic words. They weren't the truth of who I am. They weren't the truth of who I could become. But they were toxic words that literally affected the way I conducted my life for a number of years. Toxic words. Now, um, it's common when uh, I'm, I have the privilege of studying to prepare to teach. And I, I, t- I consider that a privilege because I spend time with the Lord. And, you know, and it's not unusual when the Lord will put something on my heart. I really believe he's speaking something to me. And I, I want to say this to you now and depart from going on my teaching plan and say something to you that I really believe is the heart of the Lord for you. And I need you to listen to this. This would be, the Lord would say this to you. You are not who others say that you are. You are who I, the Lord God, says that you are. You are not who others say that you are. You are who I say you are. That's the Lord's word to you today. That word needs just to get down in there someplace where it can become watered and, and it, become, it can become life to you. Um, you're not the sum total of words that other people say about you, that, especially said by faulty men. You are created by the Lord for specific reasons, specific plans that he has for you. And the Lord does have plans. He, the way he thinks about you is positive. He's not thinking about your mistakes. He's not thinking about sin. He's not thinking about those things. He, the word tells us specifically how he thinks about you. He's thinking about your future and about your hope. It's way positive the way the Lord thinks about you, regardless of what you did last night, regardless of what you did yesterday. Regardless, you are not who others say you are. You are who the Lord says you are. Somebody says to you, you know, you piece of trash, you say, no, I'm not. I'm a new creation in Jesus. (laughs) So guard your heart because you cannot control what others say, but you can control what you believe. You just need to not let toxic things that poison get in there and seep into you and change who you are. You know, do you know how to identify what's truth and what's not? You know, I mean, truth always somewhere at the basis level, truth always wants to somehow build you into something better. Loving truth will always do that. Um, Trash always wants to reduce you. Truth wants to build you up. Trash wants to tear you down. Truth springs from love. Trash springs from sin and hate. Truth pleases God. Toxic talk does not. So we've been talking about two types of word. We talked about one, um, words we hear. We have to guard our hearts against toxic words that others may say about. Second thing I want to talk about is words we speak. Here's a, here's a challenge to you. Speak life-giving words to others every chance you get. Every chance you get. I'm learning to do this. I'm really working on it. It's not automatic. In fact, there's kind of like a reverse tendency that's present in us. You know, um, in the business world, they say that if you have a compliment and you share it with the business, there are 10 people sharing complaints. I mean, for, for, for every 10 people sharing complaints, only one will come forward and say, 
um, something complimentary. And in fact, the ones that are sharing complaints will share it with more people. There's just something in us that wants to, to go ahead and let out the negative. <laughs> it's like a pressure relief. We want to let off pressure. Not sure that it actually does. But there's something, there's a tendency. So speak life giving words to others every chance you get is not necessarily, necessarily that easy. And, you know, there's one thing you're going to have to learn in order to be able to do this. This. You see what I'm doing? I'm biting my tongue. In case you're in the back row or if you're listening to this teaching by mess and by recording, you have to learn to bite your tongue because you will be tempted at some point to make a comment about something that's hurt you or bruised you. When you've been legitimately hurt and bruised, it's natural to want to go, ouch! And there's a way to do that and there's another way to do it that you shouldn't and your fleshly nature is going to get, get, you know, you're going to get angry, you're going to get hurt, and you're going to want to do that. The thing is this, you don't want to be the one who uses this tongue to hurt or to become a tool or to become toxic and certainly not to spread discord among the brethren. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19, um, um, it's a, an amazing short segment there. Um, and it's amazed me for a lot of reasons I'm going to just key on a couple of them. Here are six things God hates and one more that he loathes with a passion. It's amazing that the list is seven long, but he wants to single out one that he loathes with a passion. The first six, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that kill innocent people, a mind that thinks up wicked plans, feet that hurry off to do evil, a witness who tells one lie after another. Now let's find out what it was, the one that he loathes, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Why that last one? I mean, it seems like murder up higher might make the list higher. But why sowing discord among the brethren? Why is that the one that makes the Lord look? You think about it for just a minute. Jesus was at the throne. He gave it up to come to earth, to be born of a woman, to grow up, to deal with the pains and the difficulties of life, to be wrongly and falsely accused while he's innocent, to be tortured and executed and put to death. He did all of that to give birth to the church, to his bride. That's a fairly significant heavenly investment when the creator goes through that in order to give birth to his bride. Why does God loathe um, sowing discord among the brethren, among family? Because he's invested so much love. He cares so much for you individually and as a group. You are his bride. When you inadvertently or intentionally would do something that would stir up dissension among the brethren, you're tampering with this issue in Proverbs because God takes that so seriously. The tongue and toxic words are more than just something that comes out and goes out and floats away. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So here's a rule to live by for you. Whenever you think something good, say it. Anytime, place. If you're thinking something good, just say it. Just say it. Give life to it. Don't hold it back. There's no reason you don't gain something by withholding those kind of good things. Just say it. I think this church does that a lot. Let's do it more. And then when we've done it more, let's do it a whole bunch more than that. Just say it. 
Use the power of healing in your tongue to give your life. So I'm working on my message a couple of days ago, and um, I'm thinking, just say it. And I'm thinking, you know, I started thinking about one of my kids, all of whom I love desperately. I have three by, um, by biology and two by marriage. I have five kids so far. And, um, <laughs> and I love them all. And one of them was on my heart. And so I tried to call him. Didn't have his phone number because something was going on with his phones. Tried to text him. It didn't seem, he didn't seem to answer. So I wrote him an email. And I think that was God. Because I wrote him an email and I just said some things that, you know, I've been thinking about you. Some, it was just positive. And it was good that I wrote it in an email. I think it was intentional. Not that, not that it was impersonal. It would have been nice to look him in the eye and say, hey, son, you need to know what I've been thinking about you. Because that would have been good too. And there's a time and a place for that. But when it goes in email... It's there. It stays there. He can pull it back up if he didn't already throw it in the trash. He can pull it back up and look at it again at some point in the future. Here's a couple of promises for you. Um, If you have a struggling marriage, you probably have more toxic words in your marriage than you do have healing ones. If you struggle in your relationship with your mom or your dad or your kids, there's probably more toxic words than life-giving words. If you are struggling with yourself, you probably say to yourself more toxic things than you do life-giving things. It takes, some experts say, it takes a minimum of five compliments to bring neutrality to one negative thing. To get you back to neutral, you've got to say to yourself five positive things if you've already kind of whooped on yourself for one negative thing. Here's another statistic. I don't know how they get these things. But you know, the typical, typical um, in America, about 50% is the divorce rate for marriages. 50%, roughly, right? Some experts say that if you compliment your spouse five times a day, I mean real compliments. Don't get platonic now. And don't just start, just, okay, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, I'm good till tomorrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, five compliments a day. They say you reduce your risk of divorce from 50% to 7%. The power of the tongue is so amazing. Life-giving words can have a really, really extended range, you know, way more than you realize. I'm a sentimental person. You might not guess that about me. I have a hard time throwing anything away because there's a memory attached and it's worth something to me. And, you know, I, I need a storage shed. Anybody got a storage? I, need, I, need, I can't throw anything away. Some stuff I keep, don't, they don't take much space. But in, um, <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, you know, some things don't take much space. And in today's electronic age, um, I've collected a few things. Um, I have a recording, a voicemail, that my father called me on my 50th birthday, who I miss. Um, and... Um, the, the wonderful things my father said to me on my 50th birthday, you know, they're life-giving. I have, I have phone calls that I've recorded. You know, you know, when you leave a voice message, people can keep copies, right? So I have, I have voicemails from most of my family. I have voicemails from my mother. I have vo- voicemails from my daughter on the day of her wedding the evening after her wedding, things that she said to her mother and me that are priceless. I've turned them into MP3s and I have a playlist. 
<laughs> okay, now it sounds really egocentric. I don't listen to this playlist all the time, and I don't share it with other people. But every once in a while, I'll be going through, and I'll be listening to country music or some Bible teaching or something else, you know. I'll be doing whatever I'm doing, and I'll see this particular, one of these MP3s, and I'll stop what I'm doing and listen to it. And life goes in. You have no idea the range of your words. You have no idea the power of the words that you have. And if you think through, you can think back to things people have said to you that still give you energy today. And they may have come from decades ago. Decades and decades ago. I think those kinds of things, if you have the the foresight to start collecting them and keeping them, the Lord will use them in the future. Because sometimes I run across them at a time that, that they were the exact right medicine for the moment. Could be coincidence. Could be. Don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, so we've been talking about um, um, the words. So the words we speak, point three, speak life-giving words to yourself and to your circumstances. You know, so many of us have some, some very life-taking self-talk going on. I'm never going to be good enough. Life's always going to stink. I'm never going to amount to anything financially. I never get the breaks. I'm never going to win the lottery. That could be true. Um, I'm always in financial trouble. I'm never going to like my job. You know, over and over and over again, we self-talk all of these negative, toxic things. And it really is faithless. It really does not honor the Lord. And um, it's a problem. God teaches us about the power of words. In Mark eleven twenty three, he says, this is Jesus. He says, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. The power of the spoken word. You don't tell, you don't talk about your mountains. You tell the mountains how big your God is. You speak faith in the mountain. It's like David. You know, he heard all of this toxic talk. Oh, you can't go out there. You're just a farmer boy. You can't do this. You can't do this. You're going to need my armor. All these things. He said, no. This is not about how big he is. This is about how big God is. He uh, defies our God. My God is going to deliver. This is not going to come down this way. That was, the, that was David talking life-giving words to himself and to his circumstances. He spoke faith. God is big enough. Now, I just want to say something. This particular passage might suggest to you that there's something wrong with you because you can't look at Capitol Peak and say, hey, would you move over there somewhere? Don't squash anybody, but get over there, and you don't see it move. So you think, okay, I must not understand this passage, or I must not have enough faith. Or I, 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 want, you to, I want you to understand, too, I am not promoting what's called the word of faith theology. You know, there is a theology out there that basically teaches that you know, if you say it and if you believe it, you can have it because your words create it. I will drive in a Rolls Royce. You know? I, I'm not promoting that because, I, frankly, I personally believe that that's a very dangerous misinterpretation of Scripture. Okay? And while we're on the topic of that particular theology, I'm not going to go off on that theology. I just want to talk about toxic words related to that theology. That kind of theology has some catchphrases you may have heard or even used. And I want to suggest that you don't use these phrases like, you know, blab it and grab it or name it and claim it. Say they sound cute. They're kind of funny. But they're really hurtful. To people who walk down that stripe of faith and theology, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure I don't have this all figured out. 
I'm sure there are issues of faith that they could teach me. Maybe you're present here. The point is this. When we talk about differences of theology, we need to do it without being toxic. And those phrases are. So I'm going to try and lose them from my lexicon. As much as I like clever, cute sayings and so forth, that's hurtful. And I just don't want to do that. Anyway, so um, you align your words with the truth of God. I'm not who others say I am. I'm who God says I am. And I align my my mouth with his truth. And I let that truth drive me. I'm created by God to do great things. God's for me. He's not against me. And then you speak life to your circumstances. So you guard your heart against toxic words. You speak life-giving words to others every chance that you get. And then you speak life-giving words to yourself and your circumstances. And just sit back and watch. And see what the Lord will do to you and your circumstances. Now some of you are just not doing the things that the Lord has called you to do because, frankly, you are believing toxic words that were planted in your soul. They're just not true. You've got to get that poison out of your heart. It's just got to come out of your heart. You need to forgive the person who spoke it to you, and you've got to stop rehearsing it because you're who God says you are. You know, God has a plan for your future and your hope. When you say, things will never work out for me, stop it. Because <laughs> that's not God's truth. Here's God's truth for you. Romans eight twenty eight says, all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purposes. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. All things work together for good. You might find yourself hitting some bumps in the road, but it's all going to work out together for good because that's the Lord's plan for you to replace toxic words with truth. You may not feel it, but keep speaking faith. You will because you're not the sum total of what other people say about you. You are who God says you are. There's power in words and power in life. So as we talk about toxic words, we, us, we're going to be life givers, not life takers. All due respect to our military. Life takers and heartbreakers, go do your thing, guys and gals. We want them out there doing that. But, but, but with our tongue, we're going to be life givers and, and not life takers. We're going to learn to guard our hearts to reject things that are toxic. We're going to learn to speak positive things when we think them. And we're going to speak positive things to ourselves and our circumstances. I want to pray over you. And um, so I would ask for privacy because, you know, I just want to say this to you too, church. There are times, and I do ask for eyes to close. Before you close, you can look at me. You can look at me because I'm going to explain to you. There will be times when we pray that I'll say, if you feel this way, raise your hand put it, and then put it back down. That's not for me. It's for you. Something happens when you acknowledge with a physical movement. Nobody's peeking. It's, but the Lord sees that. But more, more importantly, you know you did that. And when you have done that, it's kind of like building an altar to God, saying, you know what? Remember, God, I got to the place, I acknowledge to you this need in my life, and I know you're at work there. That's the encouragement. So with eyes closed, be, be as transparent as you can be. This is not a display. People aren't looking at you. And let the Lord go to work. So that's what's going on. When I ask you to raise hands, that's all it is. That's, this is not, nothing beyond that. So let's pray. Let's close our eyes. Lord, First and foremost, I I love the scripture that says, in the beginning was the word, and God was the word. 
You were with us, Lord, from the very beginning. From the very beginning. And I love the fact, Lord, that as we talk about toxic words, you are the exact definition of life. You are the author of life. You are the source of life. And God, we realized, I think we realized for the most part before we came in this room about the power of, of, of life in words. And maybe sometimes we can be toxic. We understood that. But Lord, I pray that something would happen in our hearts today that would take this to a whole new level. This already friendliest church on earth would become something infectious more than on Sundays, but on every day of the week. That we would be known for being friendly, not just at greeting at the door and around church services, but we would be a friendly greeting people at work, at the bus stop, in the line at the grocery store. That we would be friendly when we order our latte or we are talking to the guy at the service shop who's just broken our heart because it's $800 to fix the transmission. That we would be something of positive input because that poor service writer has to talk to person after person after person all of them upset and mad yet God you've put us to be into this world to be salt and light let there be something in us Lord that's new and fresh that would just be ignited about that while um, that's true God there are things in our hearts that just need to be healed today some of us are, are struggling God because we're just now coming to grips with things that maybe were planted in our soul, toxic words that were said that have wounded us. They were reckless. They were hurtful. Lord, I just ask you just to do some supernatural healing now. Do something that we understand, but do some things also that we don't understand. Pull out of us the poison, we pray. If you have been hurt and you want the Lord just to do something by way of helping you sort that out, just show your hand to the Lord. Keep your eyes closed, please. Thank you, God, for these. You see these hands, Lord. You see these altars, God. We love you and we trust you. And I also want to say, while we're still praying with our eyes closed, if um, you know that there were times that you should have bit your tongue, but instead you didn't, and you want the Lord to retrieve the hurt that maybe has been at the tip of your tongue, just show the Lord your hand too, God. You see these hands, Lord. I know this room's hands are probably full. God, for, for the hands for both those reasons, we, we ask and seek after, Lord, forgiveness. Forgive us, Lord, for our tongue. Forgive us, Lord, also for where our heart has been like a big catcher's mitt, catching the things that we weren't supposed to catch. But Lord, we, we ask for you to do some healing now that goes beyond our understanding. Bring the peace and life that goes right past our intellect that does not have to be reasoned out in our mind but instead it's done by sovereign fiat, by the choice of the king. And Lord, help us to become rulers of this unruly organ. Forgive us, Lord, for the carelessness of our words, sometimes our intentional words. Help us, Lord, to share life-giving words and to heal people around us that are wounded. Pull the poison out, Lord, and let us set us free, we pray. While we're still praying, I, I just want to ask everybody to keep your eyes closed for a couple more minutes because I think there probably are some people in this room who believe some things about themselves like they could never be good enough for God to love them. You maybe, maybe, maybe you just have given up on any chance that God would love you because of the things you've done, the things you've said, because of who you see yourself to be. Maybe on the other end of the spectrum, there are people who feel like well, you're fine with God because you've been pretty good. I'm okay because I've done, I've done okay. 
And those two categories of people who don't feel like they can ever be good enough for God and those that probably feel like they're fine because of how they've lived, I want you to know that those are both lies. They're both lies. No one can be good enough on their own. You just can't. Scripture teaches that. And the fact that you can't be good enough for God is so untrue, it minimizes how much he loves you. None of us are good enough. Instead, the word says in Romans 10, just listen to this. Anyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. Anyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. While we're praying, I just would say, if, you've, if, if you want to call upon the Lord to be saved, to set your eternity on solid ground, now's the time. And while eyes are closed, I just want to agree with you, and that's all. I'm going to look across the room look at me, make eye contact, just wave your hand at me, and I just want to pray for you. Is that why you're looking? Good for you. The word says your sins are forgiven. You are right with God. I thank you for that. I want to keep looking. I don't want to miss any others. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) God, I'm so grateful. I am so grateful for the power of your love. Pour it upon us, Lord. Fill us with it. And I want to thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. Amen.